1: So, tell me when I should start. Or now. Oh, well, let's get a... We're going to start. Uh, everyone, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Father Knows Something. Uh, as you can see, Wonder Dog is back. Miss Holly. Say hello to everybody. Yep, there's, that's what she does. Yep. And it's Justin with me this evening. So, Justin actually warned me that this is a seatbelt uh, episode. Is this the seatbelt episode?
2: There is a story in this one, but no, it's not a seatbelt episode. No,
1: it's not a seatbelt story in this episode.
2: There might be, but we'll address Uh, that when we get there.
1: Well, let's get going. Okay, tell me what we have. Let's see if we can we can we can knock out a bunch of them today. That's right.
2: What are you reminded of at the end of August and the beginning of September? What's the big change?
1: Oh, well, weather is, but I I know that as soon as Labor Day happens, temperatures drop drastically and we are now out of the wonderful uh, days of summer, we think, and we're starting to roll into fall, school begins, and most importantly, uh, dad's birthday.
2: Hey, yes, I'm very excited for, it, it, for yeah, it to get cold.
1: Yeah, it does cool down. And by the way, it really was Labor Day for my mother. because
2: <laughs> I showed up. So when you were, let's say, 16, what would have been happening in your life in that uh, from August to September? What happens
1: in September? In August and September, summer vacation. And then? Then school starts. Okay, so we're today- We're back to school.
2: This episode is back to school.
1: Ah, uh, this is the best part. This is when we get to go out and get new wardrobes to start a fresh year. Uh, if we've moved during the year, we meet new friends. Yeah. Um, all kind of good things We're going back to school. Like new teachers, new experiences. That's true. And uh, with me, it's, I was back to the pool and back to Coach Nolan and back to SWAT. They don't do those anymore. I'm sure that's called you know, like, a, like, like sportsman abuse. Oh no. So, uh, yeah, it was, um, it was, uh, that was the time when it was, things were going on in September. We
2: would okay. go back. All right. Well, we're going to start off here with number one. Okay. Hello everyone. Hope you guys are doing well. I didn't know where else I should ask for this advice. I have been going through this for many years now, but, it's, but now it's getting unbearable. I'm, 22 female, student, living with my family. I don't really know where to start because everything is fucked up in this household. My parents are extremely strict, religious, emotionally abusive, and have been physically abusive to me in the past. I've been kept in the house protected, as they say, or imprisoned, as I'd say, my whole entire life. They've never allowed me to go out with friends, visit friends, or even walk around in the neighborhood, or even go to the mall alone. I feel ungrateful saying this because I can still go places with them outside and inside the country, but it's never alone, and it has to be with them every time. Also, I'm not allowed to get my driver's license, even though I'm way above the legal age in my country. Thus, I've suffered a lot with my transportation to school. For the past few years, I've been asking them why I can't have some freedom like other normal people. They usually don't answer, and if they do, the answer is, we can't trust you with where you would go, or you might go to places that will make people talk bad about us. And by this, they mean to say that I might go somewhere other than school, like coffee shops or malls, because in their mind, it's not really okay for a girl to do this alone. Mind you, this is purely a cultural thing and against the religion we practice, but to them, culture is more important. I'm a very social person who loves to talk to people and participate in active activities outside of school. I'm also an artist and joining art exhibitions and engaging with other artists is a very important thing to me. Unfortunately, I can't do any of the above, but I've always said to myself that one day I'd be able to do it all and compensate for all the missed opportunity. What made me write to you today is that for the past few months, I've been promised that by the end of this academic term, I'd be allowed to get my driver's license and a car just to go to school and nothing else. I've never stopped thinking about it since. I've saved up my allowance to afford gas and I thought that they're finally letting me free to live like other normal young adults. Today, I've discovered that it's just another lie and all my dreams have been crushed. This is literally my last straw. I'm so fed up and can't put up with this anymore. I've been depressed because I have to handle all the academic pressure of my major and have nowhere to go and no one to talk to. My question is, what should I do? How should I deal with it? Thank you so much and I apologize for any mistakes because English isn't my
1: first language. Well, I was already thinking what your request was going to be when you were halfway through the story. And the first questions were in my mind is that I don't know if you live amongst the society of the United States where different rules apply than if you're being brought up in Saudi Arabia or you're being brought up in India and there's different cultures. You are obviously among a different culture and I am not a person that's going to tell you to walk away from your culture. Because that's part of, of who you are. Your parents' definition or, or constraints upon you are only because generationally they were probably attacked with the same or plagued with the same rules and regulations. And they look, look how we came out. We came out and we have a wonderful life. We have each other as, as a husband and a wife. And we have our children and we're happy. At least that's what they consider happiness. The fact that you're not happy. They don't. They may not recognize that, mm-hmm. and they may may recognize the fact we recognize you're not happy, but we know in the long term you will be happy because we're happy for what their happiness is. And I can't sit on sit behind this camera and tell you that that's that's bullshit. It, it's it's because to them it's very real. I also believe that you're real in, in, in saying what you're not happy and you want more and you want to be able to explore. And we're in a different generation than they were. We have the internet today where they may not have had the internet back in their day. We have, you know, cell phones and everything else that goes on in the world. We have a different world environment today than what we had then. We have, you know, social media that has totally changed the world in the way everybody uh, conducts their life. Yeah. So it's different today for you than it was experienced for them. And that's why when some people say I'm a conservative or I'm a liberal, it means that they've gone to open other idea for new things. And it's not so regimentally the way it was in the past or, 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 or in, in, at least with the definition of that definition, not so much political, but in the way that they conduct their lives. So, as I have never lived in the constraint in the, in a world of culture constraint, it's hard for me to tell you to defy your parents and say, "Hey, you're 22 years old. It's time to go. Pay, you know, pack right. your bags, get your passport, and move on." That's a difficult thing because these people are your foundation and your background, and. I don't know if sitting, down with your, if sitting down with them is going to have any different play than where they currently are. They're, they, you know, they're going to clip your wings more. And the sad thing is that in some religions and some ethnic uh, lifestyles, that's just the way it is. And I guess you have to make a decision for yourself. Is this the life that you want to have and lifestyle you want to have for you? Yeah if you are defined to the part where you have gone to your parents and said, we got to, you know, find a way of, you know, finding the middle line as it, as we are now in the year 20, you know, 2022. And they may say that I don't care if it's the year forty forty four, right. You know, we, we are, our kind, we, we have been going, doing this for 3000 or 5,000 years. We have survived. We're still here and we're not migrating. We're not changing. Right. And, this is where you're at. And so you're going to have to make the determinations where you want to draw the line and break out for yourself, realizing clearly there might be some major conflict here. I've seen families where they have separated and they are so defined in that old lifestyle mm-hmm. that it took if they if they ever did reconnect, it took years. And some of them went to their death with this. And it's it's that may not be what you want. This is a, a decision or a, a thought that's going to take you to come up with what's going to work for you in your life and them and what you can possibly do. If you are convinced that you cannot go on under this cloud or this this being locked up thing, then it's up to you to get out of it Yeah, and walk away and, and free yourself because I'm not holding the shackles on you. And no one else really is. They might they, they, they have a mental shackle on you. They're holding you hostage in a different way. But if you need to really get away from, to be the best that you're gonna be, you're gonna have to have a plan what you're where you're gonna go, what you wanna do, and you're gonna have to really be prepared to go do it. And then if if if, if all hell breaks loose, at least you know that you that you're safe and you've made a plan to go somewhere and and start your life. No, And that's really, I mean, you ultimately, you are the person that's going to c- control and steer your boat. It, you're it. And you have to live with it. When you're 80 years old, you're going to have to say, I, I, I should have done it, would have, should have, could have. You're going to say, wow, I did it. And Not only will you have respect, but the people that you are with will probably have respect for you, that you took things upon your own guidance and you did your own thing. Yeah. I mean, I look at people living in, you know, that are are leaving Ukraine in places where there is true hostility and save their life. And some people are staying because it's their home and they're going to defend it and they're going to build that life. And they don't care if they die doing it. Yeah. But they made a decision. And some people said, we're getting out of here. We're going to go back and try to find a better life somewhere else. This guy is not what we're about. I just find it amazing how so so many people to, you know, feel that they have to hurt other people to have to to show their power to make their whatever their life is going to be. Why we all just can't. You know, and this is probably an idealistic view that I have that why can't we all just concentrate on being good to one another and right. develop better things for the world and not about who's going to be the most powerful, you know, most magnificent Oz. Right. And, and we see that so much in different political powers in in our world.
2: Yeah. I just, I can't imagine feeling this trapped. And I mean, especially with the emotional and physical abuse, it's, yeah, it's I think just, you're at a it. point where, I, I mean, I, I just can't even imagine. I can't even put myself in the shoes, but I, I do agree that I think you're at the the part where you need to figure out if you need to
1: walk because... And if, and, and how to do it because she may not even be able to walk. Right. They Look, these people are controlled and they have disabled her from every possible thing. She's trapped, it sounds like. So she's got to figure out how is she going to literally get on that boat and across the dock and, yeah. g- and get out in the water where she is really safe to sail that no one's going to chase her. And pull her back and beat the shit out of her for attempting it. Mm -hmm. Because we have no idea where she is. We don't know if if she's in Atlanta, Georgia, or if she's in the middle of some third world nation. So I'm being very careful on this one with the thoughts that I'm giving you, thinking you're in the worst place and not in the best place. Because the best place to me is being right here in the United States or another democratic country where you have freedom and you have, you have protection from the law yeah. from anyone trying to hurt you. I don't know what protection you have where you're at. Right. So the same way you contacted us here, please write back and let us know in the comment stream what's really going on. And if you can somehow let us know, I mean, if, if I can come up with better advice for you or different thoughts, I will, but I'm going to obviously need more yeah. to, to, think of, to think it through with you.
2: Hmm.
1: Or anybody in the comet streams will need more.
2: Yeah, I think this one's a little bit beyond us.
1: It's deep. I mean, there's there's a lot of moving pieces in this that we don't have. Yeah. And you know, father knows something is really. Dad, how can you help me? Dad, what is your thoughts? Right. How can we help her? And it, it's a tough one. Yeah. So um, I I hope I help. I hope we gave you some some thought process. But I will say this: no one should have to live in a lifestyle where they're abused, mentally abused, physically abused, and controlled. Yeah, one hundred percent. So let's uh, keep us in the keep us in the know. Yes. Yeah, that was a seatbelt. Let's. You got another one? That was a seatbelt. Yes, it was.
2: not so crazy and we'll back to seatbelt
1: he has a smile on his face so he's got a couple good stories that are going to be kind of fun oh, i don't know if they're fun they're not fun <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we're going to call this show intense
2: <laughs> hello jerry morgan and justin i'm an 18 year old man who graduated last year i have been taking extra high school courses because to be frank i don't want to go to university this is the problem that is holding me back My parents absolutely want me to go, while I frankly would prefer not to. However, I can't bring up this fact to them without them getting extremely angry or upset. We are immigrants, so my parents want me to graduate university and get a good job because their degrees weren't accepted here when they moved. However, I just don't think I'd be happy, but I cannot imagine even telling them this. Do I suck it up so they're happy? I don't think they'd listen to any career that isn't one that has a university degree. I just don't know, and
1: I want to be happy. I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to, I'm going to take a different tact. I did not come out with a college education. When I tell you that you've you spent you know, roughly 12 years of school, yeah, that 12 years was, it was a cakewalk. It's a party. And the rest of the other you know, 60 years, 70 years of your life are basically formed from the foundations what you, what you got with those schools. Mm-hmm. And as I got into into business and working and other things, I said, I really wish, because I did go to two years of college. What I wished is I paid attention and had the ability, the maturity to digest in some of the classes that they were teaching. Because it's not that you learn how to do these specific things in school. What they, what they do is they give you a, college gives you a foundation, skills and to go out and read and skills on how to write, skills, how to learn, skills, how to interpret. Those are the skills you're really learning and how to thirst for that knowledge. Because, I mean, I'm 65. I can turn on the history channel and I can get lost for four hours and say, Where? Yeah. Why, why didn't I learn this shit back when I was 22? It's different than high school. I've also learned that when people say it's not for me and I need to go out and do something different, I get it you'll you'll be successful you'll learn the hard way as they call it you'll learn by experience. that's really the key here. you can learn by experience, which you can become very street smart mm-hmm. and you can go to school and 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 get the the a shortened version or a compiled version should I say of different circumstances that have happened. And it's probably what's the best way to interpret this information and how to use it and utilize it. There are certain benefits to it when you go and you learn. Yeah. Um, what your parents learn and the fact that they, they, they don't represent, they don't recognize their degree. They can't, they, they may pull the degree, but they can't take your parents' experience. True. They have that. And because they don't want to see you struggle they understand that when they came out from where they lived, if you had that degree and you were able to become a professor, you're able, that there was a better life for you there. And today, when you go to school and you come out, there's no guarantee of, of employment. Right. The only thing I'm going to guarantee that you have, if you really did well in school and you paid attention and you really took the extra credit classes and you wrote those reports, you didn't buy them, and is that you're going to be able to have the ability to... F- come up with something on your own even and how to implement it and and learn some of these curveballs a little better. You'll be able to have conversations with people a little more in- intelligently. Mm-hmm. These are going to be the the gifts that you're going to get from school. Yeah. So don't expect to come out and say, I got a job. I'm going to be a drone. You know, what kind of, I'm going to be the drone for ABC corporate. No, you're going to actually have the ability to either be the drone or really to take your mind and expand that, that information and do other things with it. Yeah. School will not hurt you. The time that you go there for the next three or four years isn't going to be detrimental to you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you might bring on debt depends on how, if your parents want you to to school, maybe they're going to help pay for it. Maybe there's other, if you're from another country, maybe there's some, some grant money. I, I really don't know that there's so many things out there that are out of my, you know, preview that in my expertise that I have zero expertise on it. Yeah. But I, the only thing I'm going to tell you, I, I don't think there's a day that goes by that I say to myself, I wish that I had the ability the discipline, the maturity to be able to read and really write the way that and think the way that some of these people process that information. I'm an I, I have an amazing mind that I can process different things. And sometimes my brain is totally with lost. I, I was I was with a fellow state that I find to be one of the most brilliant gentlemen in the world. He he's aerospace engineer self-taught. Mm-hmm And we were doing some, you know, work on the plane and we were just doing an arts and craft project for lack of a better description, making some pretty serious one, but simple, it's, it's, it's simply as an arts and craft project. And he started talking, asking me questions about, you know, how I was, you know, took the design and how I matched it. And he was speaking in a language and I looked at him and I said, David, I go, I really don't understand what the hell you're saying or asking me the words you are choosing. I am not understanding. Yeah. So if you can make it more simple for me, that I can answer the question. I mean, I feel foolish saying this to you, but it's like he's on a different planet and level with the words he uses that I wasn't getting them. So that's the first thing. At least when you when you do this, it will give you some of those words. You'll know what they mean, and in that, and when you're within that environment, working in that environment. The conversations will be more effective because you're going to be really understanding. Yes, I had the the brilliance. I'm going to use that word brilliance to look at him and say, "I don't know what the fuck you're saying." Yeah, right. <laughs> help me here. <laughs> Where sometimes if you're on the job, if you said that, you would they would look at you and say, "What kind of idiot did you hire here?" Because what he was saying was basically very elementary in his world. Me, I had to have him break it down almost to visually ask, "Show me what you're asking me." Right. 'Cause obviously I got there somehow. So he says, How did you ever get here? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, simplicity. Yeah. So that you know, so as much as your parents I'm gonna go back to square one, what does your parents say school and you say I don't want to do it? This is a choice that you get to make. Mm-hmm. You can't take your life and go on and do other things and start with a passion that you like and develop that passion and, and grow that passion. But at the end of the day, when it starts getting down to making money and following it within the, the the confines of community, of working along a business community, there are ways that banks work in standards, that you're either going to have to hire people and be at their mercy that they're not stealing from you and that they're getting your job done, or knowing it yourself. And with me, I got to the part where I had a company and I was at the mercy to people to make sure that my books were being done right and things. Cause I didn't know how to read a profit and a loss statement. Yeah, And I will tell you, I lost my business because I was unprepared. I, the training that I had as a young adult in business was not working with 150 people. I worked with five people. I had a very small environment. When I made my first money, it was within a very small environment, five people. Yeah, and to grow to go into business where you're dependent upon teams and all the things that, all the balls in the air. Trust me, having a bachelor's in, in business administration would have saved my de- saved my life. And and I didn't learn it the hard way. I never learned it. Yeah, until after it was too late.
2: Yeah, I'm kind of split on this one because I meet, especially in LA and being in the creative space, mm-hmm. I meet so many people that didn't go to college and are just wildly successful because they had the right idea, they had the right, mm-hmm. um started the right YouTube thing, started mm-hmm. the right podcast, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. There's wildly successful people that didn't go to college and make more than anyone else that I know that went to college. Absolutely. So there's that extreme, which almost out here is like normal. It's normal to not. In the, in the music and in it, it's and crazy. the creative space. It's crazy. And then there's me who, I never saw myself not going to college, but I was the guy who, once I finished college, I was like, I'm not really going to use my degree, but I certainly use the knowledge and experience. The thought process. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I would never say I regret going to college.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm just not turning in my degree on my resume ever because I'm, I'm in a, in a world that doesn't require that, That's great. but I'm thankful for the learning and the experiences I had. Mm-hmm. And I think we live in a world now that is very, almost looks at when you go into the workforce and you're applying for jobs, they almost look at a bachelor's degree as like a baseline. Why? It, I think because so many people have them now.
1: Do you, know why they, do you know why I think, my belief, why they ask for it? Hmm. Because they, when they see that you have a, a, a degree, a bachelor of science, they said, this person knows how to read and write.
2: I mean, it's just, it further narrows down the pool
1: of people. Like, it, 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 it goes simple. They, they take the cream from that. They go, well, at least I know they'll know how to read and write. They're going to assume it. Well, I think it's hard
2: at 18, but presented with this problem, I think you really need to try and figure out what you might want to do what your career looks like, what you want to try and do and what life you want to live. Mm -hmm. Because even though in the ideal outcome, I don't know, I just want to be happy. Yeah. Maybe long-term happiness might require some short-term unhappiness of going to school and getting that degree to get the job that you truly want. And
1: why does going to school have to be unhappy? If you go there with the mindset that I'm going to learn something and take some classes that I enjoy, right. at least you'll learn how to learn. I found th- the biggest thing that I found was school that made it work or not work for me was the instructor. And it worked that way with Morgan. I mean, cause she had teachers that she hated. And I would say, I get it. I pulled her immediately and got her into a different class with a right. different teacher that she liked because I knew it would respond to her mind. Morgan had a very uh, active and processing mind. Ear- I mean, at the age of three, four, I saw it. She was rocket fast and she needed to be stimulated. Yeah. And she wanted to have fun and she wanted to, to be, have people talk to her and ask her and pose her, her opinion. This this started early on, kids. I mean, she was there way in the beginning, and I I certainly wanted to have her in those positions where that was developed, mm-hmm. and not where somebody just took her and put their thumb on her and said, "You're going to do this and do this and do this and do this," because that didn't work with that with that horsey. Uh-uh. Yeah, she bucked. Yeah, and that was okay.
2: I mean, it's it's hard because there's no concrete answer here. It's more like figure out what you want to do, and then it starts to become easier to kind of put this together, you never know what can happen.
1: And, and once you find, the, the biggest thing to be successful is to love what you're doing. That's a success. If you do something, I don't care what the job is or the task that you're doing. If you're having a good time with it, you're going to grow with it. The only thing that school, really, I can assure you that it does, it gives you a little more roundedness on how to process and think about certain things as you Mm -hmm. go there, it's a shortcut for that, without having to learn it the hard way. And the hard way is very costly. Yeah, I mean, it cost me my business. It cost cost me to have to work the rest of my life Mm -hmm. because virtually I'm unemployable. My brother, we look at each other and we go, you're unemployable, brother. <laughs> you, Your mind—you don't. You're, you're in a different level than some other people. The way they process and think. Yeah. And I said, I totally agree. So I find myself being self-employed and taking certain uh, jobs. But the jobs that I do, it's really—I just got to get. Don't tell me how to do it, or otherwise, don't hire me. I have my own way of getting things done. If you—if you've seen me, you know me, and you know I'll get it. I'll, I'll get to. From A to B where you want me to be, but stay out of my way till I get there. Yeah. And I, and I, and I will accomplish it and I'll finish it. Right. And so, you know, you have to just figure out who you are and what, what you want. So there's no right answer or wrong answer. It's, is it, is if the question is, will school hurt you? And the answer that I have is no. Now Morgan will have a different take. Morgan will be, I did all this shit, and I don't even use it, and I'm on a different planet. But she totally disregards all the knowledge she gained from all the reading that she does and all the learning that she did. She sucked it in, and it's in there. Heck. She's she's a she's an encyclopedia of information. That woman,
2: which I think, in ways, yes, you don't need a degree nope. to run a show, but it certainly, like, the knowledge definitely shows, and it it helps the show it helps the rest of your life yeah
1: if anybody watches the show they can't look at morgan and say she's not educated right and that's that's what we're talking about here Mm -hmm. so i want you to think about this in your own mindset and it doesn't matter really at this point what anybody else has to say it's really what when you sit back and take everyone out of the equation what you think that you want to do and this is the opportunity where you are so young that you can do it that it's literally painless to Mm -hmm. do it because everyone expects that that's what you go on, and you'll have probably a good time doing it, anyways. Because True. you're gonna you're gonna learn social skills and ways of studying with group study and getting information as a team. That's really what this part is all really about. This, yeah. this education. It's not even the degree. It's it's all the stuff that people don't really count and look at when you're when you're going back to school. Yeah. Continuing education. True. All right, let's go to the next one. Let us know what you decide. Yeah, I really thought these would be like, you know, these three-minute deals like last time. But no, we're going on with these. Yeah, (laughs) these are good. All right.
0: As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.
2: You know how we always keep you on your toes? Always. You never know what's going on? Never.
1: <laughs> That's well, the truth.
2: <laughs> this is where the road ends for me.
1: Oh, okay. Where are you going?
2: I'm leaving. I'm so, out.
1: for Permanently? Forever?
2: Yes. And
3: (laughs) wow, that might be the cheesiest thing I've ever done (laughs) on any of our shows.
1: It was magic to me.
3: Oh, wow. I've, I've been
1: trying to figure out how to, how to make him disappear for a long time.
3: <laughs> that actually was the first joke I think you told him was, I know how to make you disappear. That's
1: right. He made himself disappear.
3: Yeah. Funny how the tables have turned.
1: Mm-hmm. But I'm still here.
3: Yeah. And here we go. Back into uh, more back to school stories.
1: So let me just ask you a question. Is that kind of a metaphor that you know they, they can snap in and snap out, but dad's always here?
3: I wasn't overanalyzing it like that, but if...
1: If it works for me. If
3: that's how you want to interpret it, (laughs) you can interpret it that way.
1: All right, let's go.
3: (laughs) Okay, so this one is a little different because it's coming from a family member of ours. Okay. I just turned 30 and quit my job. I'm ready for something new. But the practical and adventurous sides of me are in intense conflict. For two years, I've been investigating and applying to law school while working as a teacher. I had my sights set on a specific program in my city, but was put on the wait list. In the meantime, I earned a two-thirds scholarship to my backup school, which is well-regarded, but would take me to an unfamiliar city away from my family, relationship, and professional network. After intense debate, I put down a deposit, but I'm still having doubts. I'm hearing about negative experiences at the school from current students and alumni. I am also burnt out from my previous career, even after a few weeks of summer break. My family is proud of me for getting into law school, but I don't feel like I accomplished my goal since I didn't get into my preferred program, which I would be motivated to apply for again. I'm thinking about turning down the scholarship and taking some time off to travel, recover from the burnout, apply to other programs, and seek jobs in a new field. But will I regret not taking this opportunity to achieve a dream of mine?
1: That's it. That's all we got. Okay. So, you know, I'm going to kind of address things one at a time. Sometimes we don't always get into the law school of choice that you want to. At the end of the day, some people believe that the plaque on the wall really determines what kind of lawyer you are. And at the end of the day, I've, I don't even look at the plaque on the wall. I really see if they know how to process it, they know how to uh, apply the law and defend me and represent me. And that I've always found to be important. Let's take the next step. The money situation. That is an amazing gift to get the two third. Um, hold on. Let Holly up. Come on, Holly, come on. The two third scholarship. I mean, that, that's huge. It's huge. It's a big dollar number. And, especially when you go back and you keep talking about getting us you know ha- debt having your student debt and the interest how it just complete com, you know just nails you over at the end of the day that it doesn't even pay down as you' as you're paying this thing
3: yeah I mean there's so many people on Twitter social media everywhere that have talked about how my initial bill after I graduated was 32,000 I have made payments on time every month for the past whatever year I've now paid in 40,000 and guess what I owe
1: 200,000 82,000 and it's 82.
3: like no that should be illegal there shouldn't be interest on student loans when you make it a prerequisite to survive in society it shouldn't it shouldn't be like that one it sh- I think it should be free but I wouldn't even go that far let's let's start with no interest first
1: Well, the one thing it does do it it makes us stronger as a country when we're educated. If you think about it that way,
3: there's study after study after study that says the higher educated a society is, the healthier they are, the more they make, the happier they are, the less crimes there are, the less mental health issues. Like it goes on and on and on. But we're not even going to get into it. Like college was free up until uh, Reagan and I'm pretty sure it was Reagan. We're going to have to fact check. But they changed it as another means of segregation. Segregation was becoming illegal and we were desegregating things. And, oh, well, how do we keep the hierarchy established? Let's start charging people for school.
1: I never even thought about this, but... I'm sure you're very well aware of keep it. Keep
3: the foot on their throats. <clears> throat>
1: Anyways, the, 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 last, the, the last of the three was going to a different town. Yeah. I've always been very pro going to different towns and, and, and learning about new environments and making new friends and how, how it impacts your being more seasoned in life. So I, I don't see anything on, on these three factors why not to go regarding that versus one school versus waiting out for your your preferred school. But then you get into another little dynamic. Do I want to take a year off? Do I want to take a year off? Do I want to, you know, be away from my family? And, you know, the year off thing is, that's a decision. I think the year
3: off is more... I don't think they would move during that year Mm -hmm. off. I think it's a gap year to kind of deal with the burnout they've been dealing with and maybe explore some other options. It's not to take a year off and just go away from family, Mm -hmm. leaving family and friends and relationship is actually kind of a con in their eyes for going to this law school far away.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: So I think that's more just a gap year, maybe at home, maybe a little traveling, but mostly to deal with the burnout.
1: You know, that's a personal thing that you have to decide if you really need that for yourself. You know, that, that's, that's a decision I can't make. If you feel that you really need that, that separation of re-energize into this other field, I will say that once you go to law school, whatever you were experiencing before is a whole different gig and a whole different lifestyle that you're going to roll into. And I know one thing: this guy's got a thirst for information, a thirst, a thirst for knowledge. And if, if that makes up for what you like, you're going to get your thirst of information and thirst of, of, of reading. Uh, if, and he's a voracious reader. Uh, in law school, you're going to get all this. They're going to have you reading and writing left and right. And if you like to have a thirst for learning, you're going to get that. And it's not teaching. It's not going to be dealing with the kids that you've been dealing with. If you, you know, he says he was a teacher. So it's a different lifestyle. It may be fine to go from one to the other, but that's a decision that he has to make, what he's prepared for.
3: Yeah. Well, and I mean, there's a lot going on here. I will say I didn't get into my top choice of grad school. I applied to two places for OT school, University of Minnesota and West Coast here in Los Angeles because I had... Support systems, family, friends in both places. Didn't get into the University of Minnesota. Got into this program and went to this program. And it's shaped my life. I would not be doing who knows what.
1: You'd be in a different place at a different time.
3: I know. I'd probably just be working as an OT in Minnesota and not have a podcast or anything like that. So it's interesting to think about how the universe does put certain things in your path to guide you and I wouldn't let that deter you from like oh it's not my top school because you're it's only three years and any program for it to be an accredited program has to hit certain guidelines like Mm -hmm. there are strict guidelines and educational like points that they have to make Mm -hmm. and I mean, my school wasn't even accredited when I went, oh my God, I like was taking the biggest risk ever. And so I was the first cohort in my, my program. And I was going through accreditation as I was going. And it was like, well, we're graduating. Like, is it going to be accredited? Like, let's all cross our fingers. So, I mean, sometimes you got to risk it for the biscuit, Mm -hmm. but it paid off and I had an amazing education. I mean, they, that wouldn't be my holdup from going to law school. I'll put it that way. But When I got this one, I did reach out to many, many, many friends that are lawyers practicing. I mean, Alejandra is not a lawyer, but was her dream to go to law school forever. And she read this book and it's called Don't Go to Law School Unless. And it's a book that's written by a professor. And he basically goes over like the facts that like law school and the golden years of being a lawyer, it's behind. Mm-hmm. it's it's not here anymore. Being a lawyer is not what it's cracked up to be nowadays. And so he says, as a professor, this is what I see. And you shouldn't go to law school unless. And so he really talks about how you have to be passionate. You want to do it. It's not for the money. It's not for prestige. It's not for, you know, whatever else he outlines. But Alejandra read that book and she went from dreaming about law school every day. She applied, she took multiple LSATs. Got into Southwestern. It wasn't her top choice of school. She decided to defer. Try to get into Loyola, her top choice. Guess who never went to law school? Alejandra. Alejandra. Never went to law school. And today? She is now a legal recruiter, making more money than her friends that are lawyers, and loving it. And there we go. And my friend that is a lawyer literally would not go back and do it over. mm -hmm. You called a friend we called a friend i called
1: a few friends too and
3: uh one of them said you said what do you recommend to people when they ask you to about law school she goes i tell them not to go and so you really have to be passionate about law school and now it's like okay if you're having doubts you can always go for a year and mm-hmm. you know you have a two-thirds scholarship and if you hate it after the first year
1: pull you out know, one of the conversations i had with somebody is if when when you think about law And what I think about law is the ability of of seeing somebody with an issue and then reflecting back into case history. And how do I apply that to help them from the case history to, to, to get them on the track, what they're trying to accomplish or to protect them from something that's going on? And that is the thirst of the, of, of the interest for, with, with me with law. And if somebody has that thirst and they want to be able to go do, you know, do the research and they love to investigate and they love to build their case and they love to, they thirst for that, that excitement, that's a good reason to be a lawyer. If you're look going to because you say, gee, I'm gonna go, you know, go to an office and I'm gonna make, you know, four hundred or five hundred dollars an hour and that's and and you're gonna be this guy behind the desk just looking and typing and hating it, that's not for you. If that's not the kind of guy you are.
3: Well, I also don't think you need to go to like say you wanna think like a lawyer, you wanna understand some basic law, you mm-hmm. wanna understand maybe precedents and how to use them. You can audit classes. Most colleges will let you audit classes Mm -hmm. for free. So if you're not interested in being a lawyer, but maybe you want some of that information, you can audit those classes. Mm -hmm. That's not like you don't have to put yourself in debt and go to law school just to maybe have a better way of thinking about things. Well,
1: doing law school by auditing classes. You have to
3: do homework. Auditors still complete assignments as well.
1: Because you really have to do learn how to think like a lawyer. And that's really taking it serious to take those three years and be in those classes for those three years. Yeah. You don't have to practice law when you get. you don't have to go take bar review. You don't have to take the bar. You don't have to pay your bar dues, but you should actually take the classes very seriously and, and go for the education.
3: I think it just depends what you want for the outcome. If mm-hmm. you don't ever plan on practicing and being a lawyer, like I truly don't see the benefit of it, mm-hmm. but I also am very different in my way of thinking where I think, College is a little bit of a scam. Mm-hmm. I think there's many people that don't need an undergraduate degree and shouldn't pursue it. There are so many jobs that are fulfilling, secure, offer financial benefits. Like there's so many things like that that I I think the college system nowadays is another scam.
1: It, it it's interesting because I I I know your position with, with education. We had a. a um, why I it could have been in the last week's show, it could be in in a show we've recently done, completed that somebody was asking about do I go to do do I go to university?
3: Isn't that just the one you recorded twenty yeah. minutes ago with Justin?
1: Yeah, that was it. But I don't <laughs> know when we're airing these. It's
3: all one episode.
1: Okay. So there was a write in that a guy didn't feel that he wanted to go to university and his parents from a different country said, you should go to university. And we had a whole dialogue on this.
3: Yeah. I mean, for a lot of people, it's the standard. It's what you do. It's the only way to success. It's, it sets you up for life, everything. And a lot of people do think that way. Right. And for a lot of careers, that is the case.
1: But so what I was actually saying in that is that one thing that you may not, you get one thing you do get out from going to a higher education or to university is you get tools, you may, it may not even be the degree you're, you're looking to go become a film producer or you're going to become you know, a, 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 a journalist, but you get certain tools on how to think in some of the different classes they take that you will apply during, during your life in those years that gives you a little head start in some of the way you process information. In business administration, you may never need it, but I never, went, I never finished college. I went to two years of junior college. And I went to I, I went into business, made a lot of money, and I went and did other things and I started a business, and eventually one of those businesses failed because I overgrew the ability of knowing what to do that if I did go to school, I probably would have had some of that information.
3: Yeah, I'll agree, but I'll disagree. I think there's certain foundational classes that are great, like writing one. Everyone should know how to write. But I will say again, our education system, like, I could have gotten my degree in two and a half years, not four. Mm -hmm. They pump you full of liberal ed credits that you need and are required. But let me tell you, there's a lot of classes I took like creative reading, how to just read creative books. And we would read a book every week and then talk about it. Mm -hmm. And um, knitting, the history of knitting. Am I going to use that ever? I don't know. You
1: might learn something from no.
3: it. No. So I, I think there's other countries that do it really well where they, they don't pump you up full of all the junk you don't need. Um, but here in the States, I think there's a lot of floof in our curriculum. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think my take would be really do the research and see, you know, internally why you want to go to law school. Read the book. Don't go to law school unless and i mean you got to follow your gut but i wouldn't let the fact that it's your second choice school deter you if you if your dream is being a lawyer
1: i agree
2: reminds me of the nick guy from survivor yeah he did it because he truly like wanted to help people yeah and became the public defender at his small town little mm-hmm. court mm-hmm. yeah and it's like he just did it because he felt there's, the want to to do good in the world and there's so
3: many people that do that and they're you know public prosecutors or they you know pro bono lawyers that want to give back and help their community and mm-hmm. yeah if that's your passion you 1000 percent should be a lawyer but uh, like i don't know i think you just you really got to have some introspection
2: yeah no i was saying what you said reminded me of that. yeah yeah, look yeah. At, no look i think
3: you should definitely include that nick from survivor it's the david's versus goliath season it's incredible <laughs>
1: I, you gave it great. You gave great insight to it, and I think that uh, uh, he'll hopefully he'll digest a little bit. Yeah, it,
3: and talk to other lawyers, like recent graduates, though, because that's your context. You are going to be a modern day recent grad. Like you need to talk to people that are recent grads versus people that have been in law for thirty years because they had a totally different experience mm-hmm. than what you're going to have. Okay, moving along. <laughs>
0: Go on.
3: Hi, Dad, Morgan, and Justin. I'm needing some advice on my issues in my sorority. I'm entering into my senior year, and for the three years that I have been initiated in my sorority, I've felt like I don't quite fit in. I come to events, reach out to sisters, and try to be generally nice, all to no avail. It's coming up on a recruitment season, and we have lots of workshops coming up that are full time commitments. Should I try to stick it out for this last year? I'm struggling with the idea of dropping. Because I have already been involved for so long. What should I do? Do you have any advice to try to receive less animosity from my fellow sorority sisters? Anything else? 21-year-old female, and I go to a Southern university.
1: So I'm going to start with this. Um, as a parent, when Morgan went to school, it was important to me. I don't know if it was important to her, but it was important to me that she had all the, the abilities in college, what college had to offer. So I suggested to her to go find a, find a sorority, and that I will pay for the sorority because I wanted to make sure she had that experience. Because I thought she would meet people in the sorority that she would have lifelong friendships, and it would be something for her developmental, for not only that moment but for the future. And especially since she was going to school away from home, she'd meet some instant, you know, interaction and. I'm going to let her tell you that impact on how it affected her and what she thinks was wise or not wise about the sorority. And maybe she can give you better guidance than me because before I hand it over, I will, I always say some of these experiences that you, that you're, that you're doing always do have some kind of pay, pay for you later in your life. And if it's there, and now that you've experienced part of it, maybe you have enough of it, and you're saying, deciding at this point, I don't want it anymore. It's not important to me. So with that said, I'm going to let Morgan see how it affected her.
3: Yeah. I mean, I could have wrote this right in myself. Um, I never really felt like I belonged in my sorority. I made some friends, but it wasn't by any means the that lifelong sisterhood. Um, I follow them on Instagram still, but... I talked to no one that was in my sorority and maybe that's on me. Maybe that's on me not reaching out more or spending more time with them. But, um, I mean, I just, I didn't really ever feel like I fit in. I think it was a good experience taught me how to work with people. And like, I'm sure there's a lot of other things that I took out of it, but, um, no, like my best friends and the people that I call sisters family are people that I met outside of my sorority. Mm -hmm. Um, which is interesting. So Lauren, when she started at the University of Minnesota, she actually joined AFI, same one as me, uh, but she never went through actual initiation. So she went through the bid process and got um, you know, accepted, but she decided it wasn't for her and ended up pulling back before initiation. I went through a year after, didn't, Lauren was a year older than me, um, and went through AFI, and I was in AFI my whole college experience. I didn't really participate in anything my senior year and instead went out and branched out and made friends with people who were cheats. Goddamn independence. And um, it was amazing. And those are lifelong friends that I will have forever. Mm -hmm. So I think I got more out of putting myself out there in college and not the sorority. But I understand not dropping because I thought about dropping. A lot, by the way. A lot. A lot. A lot, because we couldn't really afford the sorority anymore. Um, I had my chapter president coming at me every week asking when my dad was going to pay because we had no money. And it was ridiculous. Like, I should have dropped, but they let us pay like a full year later, which was really nice of them. So I could still be in it and be involved. But one of the reasons I didn't drop was because of like, I wanted... To maybe use that for networking, I thought like, oh, if you're an alumni, you get good network opportunities. And I think for you in a Southern college, like Greek life is like life down there. So I think it's a little like more intense than Mm -hmm. even Minnesota. Minnesota, yeah. Um, There's kind of another layer to that where if you drop, like if you feel like you're disconnected now, let me tell you. And this just goes to show that like, okay, these people aren't your friends if they're going to treat you like this. But when you drop you get so ostracized, like so ostracized. It's actually psychotic. It's it's cultish, which it, it, it all fits. It makes sense. But there was a girl who was like the most popular girl in my sorority. Everyone loved her, friends with everyone. She violated a shit ton of rules and they forced her to drop, aka they kicked her out. And like, no one talked to her. It was the weirdest thing.
1: But in your case, if you were, uh, if you were, if you, they if they blackballed you at this point, you don't talk to them anyway. You wouldn't care.
3: No, but w- when you're in college, like she's right. still got to go through her senior year. So, I mean, I would just like, if I were you, if financial stuff isn't a concern, I would stay in it and just like not be as involved, like go to your Monday night meetings or your weekly meetings, whenever they are participate in hell week, which is what we call it for getting ready for recruitment Mm -hmm. it's called hell week it was at the university of minnesota at least maybe they've changed it now but um i think you can use it to your advantage and make it work for you maybe connect with girls that are younger than you and not in your pledge class like i knew seniors that were besties with freshmen and like they had amazing relationships or seniors and sophomores so like maybe your pledge class just isn't it and you can branch out but then like branch out to people that aren't in sororities and really just take advantage of your senior year, spending time with the people you want to spend time with, creating new relationships and using the sorority to your advantage. Meals, snacks, socializing with people you do like there. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't invest so much of yourself into it anymore. But I would, I would bet money that there are other girls in your sorority that feel the exact same way you do. And if there's a way to like put yourself out there and maybe just say like, I know hell week for me was like a good way to connect with a lot of people I didn't talk to in my sorority and I met new faces and I really, it was like a, like everyone was connecting. You do so many icebreaker games, you fake conversations to practice with like how it will go during, you know, recruitment. So if there's a way to connect with others who are maybe feeling the way you are, I would try that because- there's people in your sorority that are feeling the exact same way as you and are just too scared to admit it.
1: Did you learn skills there that you would think that you would not have known to take through your life that you don't recognize that maybe you picked up there as far as doing some of these events and things of that nature and putting on these. Mm. I'm I'm, I'm curious. I mean,
3: I wasn't as involved. Like I think if you have a position within your house, mm -hmm. if you're a president, a social chair, a fundraiser chair, there's a bunch of different positions that mm-hmm. you can apply for and be elected to. Um, but no, I I didn't you get got nothing anything. you got nothing it. no. it was a social experience for me.
1: Okay I mean because I mean I, I've certainly worked however I could do it to pay those bills and yeah, to do it I, I think because well, so I really thought it would be the most developmental thing for you.
3: No, I think that's overhyped. It, it's more about the social stuff, which I will say like for my freshman year, mm-hmm. it definitely helped me. I went from a small town of 5,800 people to a big school where my school had 40,000 people on just the campus. And I knew no one. So for me, the sorority was a great place my freshman year. Good. It was, I knew I always had a place to go if I needed it. So for that sense, I 100% think you should try sorority or Greek life your freshman year. Because if you know no one, you're going to at least meet people through the recruitment process. Mm -hmm. And maybe none of you will join houses or maybe you'll join different houses, but it's still connecting with people who are in the same exact position as you. And that was great. My freshman year. So I appreciate it. I, I, I think freshman year it was great. Um, but like my senior year, I didn't, I didn't really get a lot out of it because I was traveling to go see a boyfriend in Canada right? and I wasn't really involved on campus, but, um, that was more so sophomore year, actually. And then senior year, I, I only went to college three years. I graduated early. So it's kind of, it went from like freshman year, sophomore year, and then my senior year. I kind of don't really say I had a junior year. Mm-hmm. Um, but then senior year, I, I kind of branched out and made friends with other people. And you could say I sabotaged myself my sophomore year and disconnected from people because I was traveling to see a boyfriend mm-hmm. so much, which don't I do th- that. I don't th- ever do that. Enjoy th- your college experience. I, th- I think
1: that's true. I think you did disconnect yourself because that yeah, was your focus.
3: It was. And I would take that back in a heartbeat. I, I think doing long distance, like if you want to do long distance, do it, but don't travel to go see them all the time. Stay on campus and make friends and enjoy the experience. I don't know. I have a hard time. I didn't drop and I really wrestled with that. So
1: I think it just... And I encourage you not to drop.
3: Yeah, you did. I think you're the only reason why I didn't do it. But
1: so if, if you're asking father knows <laughs> the, uh, the the answer is I always think that if money isn't the issue, um, keep the connection. And it, it, I will say this. It usually always is what you're willing to put into it. Yeah. It, you get out what you put in. But and, she
3: is really trying. She's really trying to go to events, reach out to sisters, mm-hmm. be nice, all to no avail. So
1: then, you know, if they're toxic, then blo- the nice then And then that case, I say. You know, screw them. You know, get out of it.
3: Absolutely. Take yeah. your
1: take your take your money and run. <laughs> and, I would. Are you allowed to go to different to a different sorority and say, look, no, I, no.
3: Once you drop, you're done.
1: You're done. You're out of the Greek. You're out of the Greek system. Mm-hmm. Gee. Once no. you're
3: initiated into one sorority, you cannot join another.
1: Well, you can come join our sorority. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> um. But I don't know. I I would say I don't know when your fees are due. Your membership dues are actually due. But if you can get through Hell Week and see how it goes and connect with others during that week, especially others that maybe are feeling the same way you are. Um I know there's a lot of time to like do kumbaya and open up and like we had kind of like a thing where it was like is there anything you're struggling with with the sorority or like do whatever. And so maybe that you have that, but I would try to connect with people. And then if you feel like after hell week and being in that environment with people and sharing and spending time with and bonding together. If you still feel like no one gives a fuck about me, drop. You know, and branch out.
1: I look at it as communication. And if you can find a way to communicate with the most difficult of people, you typically it's I would look at this as an exercise for life. And take that approach that here you're here you're in a building with people that you're supposed to know, like you would be in a workplace with people that you know. And nobody's getting along, but you can you can actually figure out how to manipulate your your way through opening friendships and to disarm their their walls, and that you can become friends. It's a good training exercise for the future when you get into the workplace and you're going to be dealing with this. Because every, when you go to work, not everyone at work at the workplace is going to like everybody. A lot of jeal- jealousy, a lot of animosity, sometimes a lot of competitiveness, and that to me sounds like a sorority house. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I think some people love it. I just watched one of my sorority sisters. Um, I didn't watch. I saw her wedding pictures on Instagram, and all of her bridesmaids were sorority girls. So mm-hmm. some people get amazing things out of sororities, but it's it's not for everyone. It it wasn't for me, but I wouldn't change anything about my experience because it led me to meeting some of my best friends and put me in, you know. It, it helped lead to me to having a great college experience. Mm-hmm. So from this point I would do hell week and then really try to branch out with people that aren't in Greek life and go from there. And then if you want to drop, drop.
1: There you go. Is okay. that, our, is that it for our stories for the season? That's
3: it. That's all we got for this episode.
1: So that uh, is this, what episode is this? Is this going to be, this is 35. Well, thanks for joining us this week for Father Knows Something. We had Morgan, Justin, and Holly. She's uh, recovering from just a little stomach bug. And we look forward to you next week. And um, have a great week. Bye. Bye.